Why don't we take our seats? And um, I'm going to try and... Um, <clears throat> I realize we've taken a little bit more time perhaps than we had anticipated because we planned so much and we didn't quite know the time. But I'm going to, tw- try, I'm going to try and be brief. Or uh, as Elizabeth Taylor said to her sixth husband, I won't keep you long. <laughs> Still works that joke, nay? Still works. It doesn't go in the dead joke section. Uh, ask anyone under 30. She had, well, sixth husband gives it away, nay? All right. There you go. Sorry, we're just having a little argument on his birthday. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk tonight, just, and I'm going to try and make it brief. I want to talk about a culture of honour in a world of dishonour. A culture of honour in a world of dishonour. My, my goal tonight is not to ju- just motivate us uh, or just entertain us or to get us on an emotional high. I think we're on a, a little bit of a high already. And I believe the Word of God does all that. The Word of God motivates us. The Word of God actually entertains us. The Word of God also heals our emotions and brings healing to our emotions. But I'd like to just talk about this subject and maybe teach some truth uh, in such a way that it shapes us as a people. Or that we understand as a people that this is what we're about. That this is kingdom stuff. And it shapes who we are and the culture of who we are. And it shapes how we treat our lives. It shapes how we treat our families. It shapes how we treat our church. And it shapes how we move forward in the kingdom of God. So how does that sound? I want to start by reading Romans 12 and verse 10. Just one verse. And it says this in Romans 12 and verse 10. And my verses will be on the screen behind me. It says this. Be devoted to one another. In love, honour one another above yourselves. Honour one another. So I'm talking about a culture of honour in a dishonouring world. A couple of weeks ago, I had a meeting in London and Jeannie went with me. And, and uh, we had a lot of time uh, before our train came back. We had a lot of time. And so we decided to, uh, Jeannie had never been to Harrods. And so I decided to take her to Harrods. I didn't buy anything because I'm, I'm not that wealthy. And uh, so uh, we, we went on the tube, and it was interesting, on the tube, as we got on the tube, there was just one seat, Jeannie sat in that seat, and I was stood. But there was a lady, actually a young lady, in her 30s and 40s, sat next to Jeannie, who offered me her seat. Uh, it, and, and I don't look that, that old, <laughs> or infirmed. She offered me her seat, and I have to say, it surprised me, and it shocked me. And I just said, no, 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 I'm fine, fine, please, you sit, you sit there. Because actually, if I'd have been sat and she'd have got on without a seat, I would have offered my seat to her. But it got me thinking, where did that come from? Was it honour? Was it, was it something and where did it come from? Maybe it came from a different time. I don't know about you, but you know, when I would catch the bus with my mum when I was younger, if somebody got on the bus and I, I was a young person and I had a seat and they didn't have a seat, I had, I, would give up, I had to give up my seat for them. I don't know if that was you, but my mum taught me to do that. Um, or does it come from a different culture? This lady was not British. Um, and uh, maybe it's part, part of her culture. But I want to talk about the fact that the culture of honour is that I was shocked by, really, and surprised by, is a kingdom thing. You know, we have the tall poppy syndrome, I think, and uh, we have this culture of dishonour, 
and we have a tall poppy syndrome where we like to make people heroes uh, because we can knock them down again as soon as they fail. You know, somebody said like this recently, they've, they've said, we have got front row seats at the decline of Western civilization. That might seem a little bit, you know, <laughs> extreme, but they were talking about how lots of things that mattered in our world perhaps don't matter anymore. I'm not talking about Western civilization tonight. I'm talking about the kingdom of God and what matters in the kingdom of God. Because I believe what matters in God's kingdom should matter in Icon Church and in our lives. A lack of honour is everywhere. You see it sometimes with children. You see it with students who won't allow certain professors to speak because they disagree with them and so they boycott their meetings or they, you know, um, just won't allow people to uh, speak. You can see dishonour in marriages and so on. You see it in politics all the time and we're seeing so much of it recently. We're tired of it over the last few years. You just see it everywhere in society. And yes, we know that honour can be abused, but we also know that when it's right, it's a good thing for us. So I want to ask the question, what is it and why is it important? What is honour? And here's a definition. Honour is the recognition of something or someone's value, contribution and importance. To honour someone or something is to recognise their value, contribution and importance. We honoured people tonight because we recognise their value, contribution and importance. You know, in the Bible it talks about the glory of God. The word glory means weight or weightiness. In other words, how much something matters. How great is its importance? And it says that God has got this glory, that he matters, he's important, weighty, more than anything else. And honour is our recognition that something matters. And he's weighty, it's important. I believe that's why we have Mother's Day. Because we realise mothers are important. I was going to say mothers are weighty, but that could have been politically incorrect, couldn't it? We've got Father's Day next week. And if you've not picked up it so far, we, we've only got morning services because we want you to bring your dads to morning services if you can, so you can spend the day with your family and uh, enjoy, enjoy that. No evening service. We've just got morning services, 9.15, 11 here, 11 in Sheffield and 11 in Derby as well. We're in the, a moment where the Queen is about to, she is releasing one of her lists of honouring people. She's got, she's got many. Uh, sometimes when I've been in the States, particularly when I've been in Oklahoma and I've been in Texas, I've been with people, or if they saw somebody in military uniform, they would pay for their meal as a sign of respect, as a sign of honour, as a sign of valuing the contribution and importance and weightiness. Icon Church, we applaud a lot, don't we? We applaud the Word of God. Do you know why we do that? Because it's honour. We say this is weighty, that this matters. When Alice read that scripture uh, from the book of Romans earlier, Romans chapter 8, we applauded. We we didn't have somebody with a board saying, clap now. But we applauded. Why did we do that? Because we honour the word of God. You you stood and you applauded me. Why? Because of honour. I remember I was at... uh, 
uh, one event a few years ago, and I was uh, leading the meeting, I was emceeing the meeting, and... Um, you know, people started one of those little claps where four or five people out of four or five thousand clapped. And I said, hey, hey, that was a good thing for us to clap. If one claps, let's all clap. Somebody put on Twitter, if one claps, let's all clap. What a ridiculous comment. I actually saw the tweet. So I put, I thought it was a great comment. I didn't say that because I'm trying to be cute. I said that because it's important to honour. It's important to honour. It's a culture of God's kingdom. I've just read this book. It's called The Coddling of the American Mind. And um, it's really about three bad ideas that are are destroying our society. Destroying might be too wrong a word, but harming our society. And the third idea is that life is a battle between good people and evil people. And if you disagree with me, you are evil. Not just bad or not just disagreeable. And, it, and so we've got these identity politics that pit people against each other. Just on the basis of disagreement on views. So we've got men against women. We've got left against right. We've got this race against that race. It just pit identity politics. It just pits people against one another. And I just think this is a new way of society returning to a old thinking that is broken. You see, because there's no them and us. There's just us. I'll try that again. There's no them and us. There's just us. Nathan said it in his message this morning. There are no sides. There's just humanity. And we are the welcome map for whole humanity. Regardless. This matters because I believe honour is the operating system in the kingdom of God. My phone's got an operating system. And I just happen to have an iPhone. And the operating system on this phone. It has an operating system. Which means that certain things that are made for that operating system can work. Well, in the kingdom of God, there's an operating system called honour. And if honour is not present in the life of a Christian, a church, then there are things that don't, just don't work. And so that's why it matters in the kingdom of God. It's why when Jesus went to his hometown, he couldn't do any mighty miracles. This is God going into his hometown and he couldn't do any mighty miracles. Why? Because the operating system was broken. There was no honour in that place. So what I want to do, and like I say, I don't want to stay too long, but I'm going to fire through this. I want to turn to a few scriptures that talk about honour. And then I want to finish with three applications. How does that sound? Here's Here's the first thing I want to say. Creation honours God. Psalm 19 and verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Creation honours God. Have you ever looked up at night and seen the moon? It's amazing, isn't it, the moon? Thanks for your enthusiasm. Do you know without the moon, there'd be no life on earth? You realise that, don't you? 
You need to be thankful for the moon because without it, you would not exist. How do we get our moon? Great question. I'm glad you asked it. How do we get our moon? Well, scientists believe that the moon was some meteor that drifted into our space and got stuck by the Earth's gravity and just stayed there. We need to be glad that the moon got stuck because without it, we wouldn't have been alive today. That's the cosmological equivalent of saying, oh, all right then. (laughs) If I must. (laughs) You see, there are these dials in creation. There are these things in creation. There are actually hundreds of them that without them, we would not exist. There'd be no life. You see, most planets are like this. The earth, like this. 23 and a half degrees, like this. If we were like other planets and we were like this, we wouldn't exist. Half of us, half of the earth would get stuck facing the sun and would just burn. The other half would be stuck facing away from the sun and freeze. But we've decided somehow to go like that. 23 and a half degrees. Oh, by the way, 24 and a half degrees, we're all dead. 22 and a half degrees, no life on planet Earth. Perfect tilt. Creation tells the glory of God. How can we tilt it 23 and a half degrees? I'm glad you asked that question too. We get 40% of our tilt from the gravitational pull of the sun. We get the other 60% of our tilt from the gravitational pull of the moon, 23 and a half degrees. Without it, we would not exist. Did someone mention the sun? By the way, the sun does everything it does, and I haven't got time to talk about that, from 93 million miles away. 94 million miles away, no life on earth. 92 million miles away, no life on earth. You see, there are these dials Hundreds of them. And science, the science is convincing that just one of those dials got shifted. Then all the others, there's no point to them. Hundreds of them. Creation tells the glory of God, the weight, the importance of God. Not just in science, but also in beauty. Creation tells the glory of God. The Bible tells us that God upholds it by the power of his word. And you know, it's why right now we're so worried about, you know, um, climate change. Because the science, science knows if one of these dials shifts significantly, then we're finished. But I'm so glad I've got a faith that says that God upholds the whole universe by the power of his word. Take God out of the equation, we should panic like crazy because one dial and we're done. But there's God who upholds all things. I like to think of the the sun at 93 million miles talking to God and saying, do you know what, is there any chance I could do 94? Any chance I could just go out there another million, just one million miles? And God says, no, stay where you are. I need you where you are. Creation tells the glory of God. You know, the Bible tells us that honour is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy 
Spirit, John chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. I'll just read this. Moreover, Jesus says, The Father judges no one. He has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. The Father honours the Son. The Son honours the Holy Spirit. There's honour in the Trinity. There's honour in the Trinity. They put value and weight on who they are. Uh, we're told by the Apostle Paul in Corinthians to honour God with our bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 to 20 says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body is a temple. You're not convinced, I know. It's a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God. Look what it says here. You are not your own. Wow, that flies in the face of 21st century radical individualism, doesn't it? You are not your own. Your body is a temple of God. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You are not your own. And that honour is the operating system of God's kingdom. The Bible tells us to honour God with our wealth. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. Our approach to giving reveals how much we honour God. It reveals how much we honour God. It displays our honouring of God. How we give, the importance, the weight, the value we place upon God reflects, is reflected. Honour God with your wealth. And it comes with a promise that when we do it, He will bless us and our vats will overflow with new wine. That God will take care of us. We're told in the scriptures to honour authority in society. That was written to a group of people who had a, a Caesar who was killing Christians, but it says, honour those in authority. The Bible tells us that husbands should honour their wives. That might seem a little bit archaic today. Um, and, And some people will say, oh, that's just reinforcing the patriarchy. But when that was written, that was radical. Because wives and women had no status. And so for the scripture to say to us, honour your wives, was a revolution in those days, giving status to women. Children, obey your parents. I know they've gone out to go. Oh, missed the opportunity. Uh, Children, honour your parents. That it will go well with you. Honour is the operating system of the kingdom of God. One more. 1 Timothy 5, verses 17 and 18. We are to honour those who lead and teach us in God's house. The elders, it says, who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading the grain and the worker deserves his wages. You know, Paul's writing to Timothy and to the church there in Ephesus and he's saying to them, I I don't want elders, teachers, pastors, leaders who are living by faith, I don't want them worried. I don't want them worried about where their next meals come. I don't want them having to fast and pray because there's no food and no no giving in the house of God. I want you to honour them. 
They're worthy of honor. And I believe that we need to put a filter of honor over our lives, over our church. We need to honor one another. We need to honor God. And we need to honor. We have that honor filter. You know, on Instagram, you get hashtag no filter. We need to do hashtag honor filter in the house of God. So I've got three things. I told you I'd be quick and I'm nearly finished. Well, hey. Three things that honor does. Here's the first thing. Honor affirms. When we honor people, honor one another, honor God, it affirms who they are. It affirms their strengths. It affirms their gifts. It celebrates them. It doesn't grumble against them, but it affirms and celebrates them. We know not everybody's good at everything. We just saw Gavin dancing. I nearly burst into song in the 11 o'clock service because I thought they were playing Justin Timberlake. I've got this feeling and I just got it in my head and I wanted to sing it. You would have noticed I'm not good at singing. We know people aren't good at everything, but we believe God made people great at something. Everyone. And we honour their strengths, their gifts. We affirm their gifts. We celebrate and we don't grumble. We give importance and value to people. We accept one another. Just as God has accepted us, we accept one another. That's honour. We show concern for one another. We don't show favouritism. There are some people we'll get on with more than others, but we don't show favouritism. We actually accept and we show affection, affirmation. We show affection towards each other. We're kind and compassionate. And even on his 33rd birthday, you can give your son a side hug. So that he knows you love him. You know, the the New Testament says, greet one another with a holy kiss. We're not going to do that, by the way, (laughs) right now. I love it when I go to Spain because I have to remember Spanish is two kisses. It's like, buy one, get one free. It's fantastic. (laughs) So, honour affirms. Honour affirms. We need to be a culture, church culture, that obviously affirms who, who we think God is and the weightiness of God and the glory of, of God. This is no insignificant thing. This is no puny God that we serve. This is the God of the universe, the God of all creation. We need to honor God, but we also need to affirm one another and, and celebrate. The second thing is honor shares. Honor shares. It shares hospitality. It's an open door. It's a door of forgiveness. It's a door of devotion. It shares. It doesn't withhold. But it shares as much as it can. Uh, Same apostle, the apostle Paul, wrote to a group of churches in a a region called Galatia. A bit like writing to, kind of, you know, writing to the group of churches in the whole of the north of England. And he said this, do good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. Honour shares. It shares burdens. It shares successes and celebrations and rejoicing. It shares encouragement. It looks how can it lift other people. Honour is a place of encouragement. It it shares truth. It shares truth. And it shares unity. Honour shares. And the last thing, and the worship team can come back because I told you I wouldn't keep you long. Honour serves. 
You know, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this, confess your faults to one another that you might be healed. I think what an incredible picture of serving, that there can be an environment where we honor each other so much that we're not going to talk about each other, we're not going to grumble about each other, we're not going to expose one another, but where we can share our faults to one another and we can pray for one another and find healing in that place. In the book of Hebrews, it says, I want you to spare one another on. I want you to spare one another on to love and good works. That's service. And the scripture says to us, don't envy one another. Don't slander one another. Affirm one another. Share with one another. And serve one another. That's a culture of honour in a world of dishonour. And that's the kingdom of God. And unless you missed it, it's the operating system of God's kingdom. It's the operating system on which everything else works. Even God himself. The kingdom doesn't work without it. Jesus couldn't do his best work when it was missing. And it's not just about honouring God. You know, so many Christians think, yeah, yeah, I get honour. I've just got to honour God. I've got to honour God with my life. I've got to honour God. It's not just about honouring God. It's about honouring each other, one another. You know, if God was the only person in the kingdom, yes, you'd just have to honour Him. But we're in the kingdom. And therefore, honour requires a humble me. A humble me that actually is willing to affirm, to share and to serve in Jesus' name. Let me finish where I started. And then I'll hand back to the worship team and Nathan. Romans 12 and verse 10, let me read it. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. As I said, I just wanted to share God's Word tonight in a way that this could become part of us. Get deep inside our soul. Root out anything that's not of the Kingdom of God. Root out an operating system that might be broken so that we can be a place that loves and honours, affirms, shares and serves. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.